Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emily Chuck, now brought to you by the Internet News Network, Screenworks Entertainment, Atlanta Mix 108, Smooth Jazz Cleveland, and of course, Dove and Dragon Radio. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button down below and join me for all the new interviews. Bye. Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Rushtrak. I'm here with author, keynote speaker, and coach, Stephen Howard. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, you do a lot of everything. <laughs> so, what's <laughs> first? Well, mostly I teach leaders. Uh, my specialty is turning good managers into great leaders. So I do a lot of classroom training and in today's world, a lot of uh, virtual training sessions. And when I'm not training, I write books. So I've just come out with my 21st book. Wow. Now, are all these motivational leadership and like that, or do you also have some nonfiction in there? No, they're all, they're all nonfiction, not, nothing fiction. My father was a fiction writer, coincidentally, but um, all my work, I, I started writing marketing and branding books, and then I lived in Asia for 21 years, and I collected a whole bunch of quotes, and so I created a series called The Asian Words of Wisdom with all these uh, great sayings from Asia, and then I segued into leadership, and so the last uh, three or four books have been about leadership, and the last two have been about decision-making, and now about how stress and, and anxiety impacts decision making. Everything we need in today's society. Well, this book is perfectly timed for today's world, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like they're all time for 2020. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need all the motivation, all the, all the words of wisdom, all the uh, stress redu reduction techniques and all the mindfulness techniques we can get, definitely. Very true. That's why I love having mindfulness coaches and motivational speakers and those that deal with stress and anxiety on the show especially this year because we need those words of wisdom we need that hey it's going to be okay we do that but we i think also melissa we need to get a message out to our leaders that uh, yes right now it's important to get the economy back and help people out with the the various uh, coronavirus packages that congress is passing and whatever but Long term, we need to start realizing that there's going to be some long term health issues coming out of this these lockdown and these this pandemic situation. Oh yes, long term we have the stress and anxiety. Then you have the PTSD because of the stress and anxiety, and who's to say what else else is going on when you're in home for months on end? Well, unfortunately, we're seeing some trends of that already. Um, when we are in prolonged stress the part of our brain that controls um, our, some of our rational thought and our reactions, it shuts down. And as a result, we're already seeing reports of increased alcohol abuse, binge eating, and, and unfortunately domestic abuse coming out of or happening during as people have to shelter in place. So we're seeing the, these trends already. It's very sad that we are seeing these trends because what do we do? We go into this shell of impending doom so we don't know how to deal with it here so we do everything negative out here 
Absolutely, absolutely. And then one of the key points in my latest book is that when we're under stress, we tend to resort to what's called binary decision making. We just look at black or white, yes or no, one or two, either or. And really, particularly in the business world, as when we come back to the business world, people need to be more strategic in their thinking. They need to look at more options, just not the first two that come to mind. But unfortunately, that's how our brain works. And our brain does not want to look at other options, uh, particularly when it's under stress and overloaded. Very true. It's from the business aspect, you have to be able to go in between in the, to the gray area to find your solutions. You don't want to close everything down. You want to expand in times of uncertainty. Why do you expand? is because when you come back, then you're already in place for a better economy. Absolutely, absolutely. And I actually learned that little tidbit from one of my good friends who's also an author and motivation coach and a business owner. He's like, oh. this is a worse time to contract. Do you want to expand? Particularly, definitely on a business standpoint, but even on a personal standpoint, I, I, the people I coach and the ones I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with, I've been telling them now for the last 60 days, um, if you don't come out of this lockdown pandemic situation, having learned a new skill, improved in something, or just developed a hobby, de developed a new interest, learned a language, whatever it is that you want, if you don't come out of this as a better person, you're going to get left behind because so many other people are taking advantage of this mm -hmm. situation and are developing themselves and um, good for them. But if you want to sit around and watch Netflix all day long and, and, and call your friends and mope about how bad things are and complain about things and watch cable news TV, then you're going to come out of this a lot worse off mentally, emotionally, and probably professionally as well. Yeah, I did this. I did this for the first week of the pandemic. Okay, we're taking a week and watching Netflix. Okay, there's vacation. Here it is. Yep, that's, that's vacation. Now, what do I need to do to advance my company? What do I need to do to get ahead in life? And how can I make myself happy? Absolutely. And I, I walk the talk. I, I published this book. I started this book just before the pandemic and I published it during it. And I've also launched a YouTube channel on leadership <laughs> all within the last 60 days. <laughs> right. There's so much that you can do in 60 days. It's insane. So we go from taking a small house publishing company, which I was started last year, have the pandemic. Now we're going into a C Corp, breaking it down into seven different corporations. Excellent. Excellent. And that's what people need to be doing. That's why you'll come out of this more successful than you went into it. Right. Because I don't have a mindset of sitting here and doing nothing. I have yeah. a mindset. I'm a business owner. I need to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm as a business owner, you need, making money is by helping people improve their lives. So that's what you're doing. And, yeah. and, and the more you think about what can I do now? Where can I pivot? Where can I help people? Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, you know, the previous book and most of my, as you mentioned, books have been focused on leadership. I changed this book. This book is for the general population. There's nothing about leadership in it. It's really for everyone who has to make decisions and understand that stress and anxiety is going to impact them. So I, I pivoted. I said, look, there's a much bigger audience out there than just the leadership community. Yeah. I mean, our leaders need books like this because they're not thinking analytically right now. They're thinking short-term band-aids. They're not All thinking right. long-term solutions. Yeah, absolutely. That's very sad because with the band-aids is only causing more unrest, uncertainty, and more anxiety with their constituents. Yeah, 
and and unfortunately you add to that not only are they thinking short term but they're thinking in terms of sound bites and so everything that comes out of there particularly on the national scene is just sound bite after sound bite after sound bite and one wonders where's the depth of thinking where's the strategy yeah there's As you say where, where's the long-term focus sorry i don't interrupt you but where's the long-term focus yeah there's nothing there right now except for short-term 30-second band-aids mm -hmm. and Absolutely. There is no leadership right now. It's all sound bites, like you said. So we need just, to get the leaders to read leadership books. Yeah. Or, or look to other leaders. I mean, the, the lady, and I, I can never remember her full name, but the lady who's the prime minister in New Zealand has just done the opposite. She, she quickly reacted. She took, took mm -hmm. look long term, closed the country down, put in policies long term. And, and you know, she's the same leader who did the same thing like 18 to 24 months earlier when they had that unfortunate one shooter went into a, a Muslim mosque and killed, I can't remember, 17, 19 people, whatever. She immediately reacted and, and changed the gun ownership laws in New Zealand. So um, there are some good leaders out there. Um, I'm not sure we have a lot of them within our shores at the moment, but there are some, some we, could be, we could be mimicking. There are definitely leaders out there that we need to mimic or talk to and get some long-term strategies going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, then we have the trickle-down effect. When you get the leaders on board, then you have the trickle-down. Now you have the followers that follow the leaders. And then everyone's wor wor working the same direction and has, and has a vision of what, how we're going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. I was just talking this morning to a group from around the world, and um, I said, look, no one expects you as a leader to have all the answers, but what people are looking for in you as corporate leaders is to say, look, I have confidence in our team. I have confidence in our people. We will, we're agile enough. We're flexible enough. We'll figure it out. Nobody knows what's going to happen 100, 100 days from now, but we'll figure it out. We'll get together, but, and, and let's plan on where we want to be two years from now, not just where we want to be 60 days from now. Right. I have a good friend. He said, your business plans should be changing at least once a year. Well, right now in the pandemic, you're changing that over 30 days. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to. Uh, and that's what, you know, flexibility and agility is all about. And, mm -hmm. but, it, but part of the leadership role is to, to say we're changing on purpose, but yeah. we're changing direction with an understanding that the world has changed. Not just that we're, you know, we used to have a saying, the company I used to work, uh, SSDD, and, and it was every month we had a different campaign in this company and we would call it same stuff, if you get my drift, same stuff, different day or same stuff, different month. And it's like, we just keep our head down and next month we'll be focusing on something else. Right. Uh, that's not the leadership we need. No, it's not. We need a true leadership right now. We need the followers to step up into leadership positions because we have so many followers that are needing leadership that they are ready to do leadership themselves but they don't know how yeah and, and interesting along those lines one of the things i've been trying to get across to people is is leaders need to become what i'm calling first responders not first reactors. Um, I, I was trained in scuba diving many years ago and I was trained as a rescue diver. The first thing we're trained as a rescue diver is just don't jump in the water. When somebody's yelling, help, help, just don't jump in the water. You don't know what the current's like. You don't know if there's dangerous animals or you don't know whether there's fishing nets in the water. Assess the situation and then respond to it. And that's what our EMTs are done. That's why we call our EMTs first responders. But unfortunately, in the workplace, people want to make those snap decisions, quick decisions. They don't, they don't pause. They don't reflect. They don't ask the right questions. So 
one of my key messages is to be a, a great leader these, these days is you need to become a first responder. Don't react to people. Don't react to events. Don't react to situations. Pause, become mindful, become more present, ask the right questions, and then make decisions. Right. It's not just, oh, there's a fire. I have to run and rush to take 30 yeah. seconds. 30 yeah. seconds is a lot of time when you pause. Yeah, you know, and I've got a good, a good example if I can share with you and your listeners a little story is, is I was teaching a leadership program in Fort Worth last December. Normally, we limit it to 24 people. It's a four-day program. End of the year, the client wanted to put a few more people in it, so I said 28 would be okay. On Monday morning, when I, you know, as this class started, I had 38 people in the classroom. Something had gone wrong with their registration system. Mm. So during the coffee break, I'm sending messages. I'm saying, be aware of this, blah, blah. And I got a phone call from the client who's down in Dallas, or sorry, down in Houston. And she said, I can't handle that. I can't afford that. You can't run a class with 38 people. Tell those other people to go home. And so she's in this binary decision-making mode and she's panicking. And I said, wait a second. Of those extra 10 people, two had flown in from Colorado, one had flown in from Baton Rouge, two, if I recall correctly, had driven from Oklahoma, and one had driven from Kansas. Blocked their schedule off for four days, they all had hotel reservations, they you know, changed their work, changed the, the family, didn't expect them back. I said, you really wanna send these 10 people home and what message are you sending to them that they're not worthy, as worthy as the other 28 people? So I said, if you'll give me some flexibility, I can run the program. I'll make some changes in it. I can do it over four days. They'll get an, enough learning out of it. And she agreed to it. Um, and fortunately for them, if you think about it now, that company has canceled all classroom training for the rest of this year. So those 10 people would not have gotten trained until 2021 at the earliest. So that's the difference between responding to something or reacting to. She was in a reactive mode. Mm -hmm. I was enough to be responding and say, you need to think this through. It's not A or B. You need to think of some options here. I have some options, some ideas on how to run this program without you know, um, hurting the rest of the attendees and everyone will learn from it. Right. It's like that when you're um, in different fields. You have, okay, I'm going to go into publishing. You have 12 authors. You're set up for 12 authors because you're trying to stay small. Now there's another 12. <laughs> we want you to publish our books. Well, are you going to say no? Because now you're saying no, that doesn't make business sense. They have, what's their following? What's their books? How many books are there? It doesn't make sense to tell people no. You go, okay, let me reassess. Okay, it's doable. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully you can cross-sell. Some of the authors might have similar or complementary type thinking, and you can cross-sell you know, one author's audience to the other author audience. But right. yeah, saying no is not a good thing in the business world, is it? No, you never say no to something. You say yeah. either this is not right for my company or does this make business sense? When it makes business sense, you're looking at the binary money and dollars and stuff like this. You may have to put more work into something or reassess how you're running it, but does it make sense in the long run? Or are you just putting a Band-Aid on it and saying, mm, today it doesn't make sense, no. And that's why, and that's why your business will grow and others won't. I, I know people in that same situation said, well, I'll take on three new authors and I'll, I won't use the other nine. Well, three might be a good short-term strategy, but as you just said, long-term, Hey, those authors and, and most authors don't write just one book. I mean, once once you get it in your in your blood to write, 
those authors are going to now they're on your they're in your portfolio they're going to come up with other ideas you're going to tell them some ideas you're going to give them some direction and now you're building a long-term business yes it's not i mean i'm using authors because you're an author and i'm an author and i'm a publisher so it right. it makes sense but you can put this into any corporation any business are you going to tell nine new employees that are bringing money to your company no, they can't work for you. Or are you going to go, you know, I don't have the room right now, but if I restructure or open another branch, now I have room. Yeah. And it goes back to what your friend said about growing their business. I've, look at restaurants company. How many restaurant companies a year ago that you would patronize or I would patronize in, in, our, in my hometown? And you'd call them up and say, I, I'd like to order these and pick them up. And they go, well, no, we don't do takeout. We're, we're a restaurant. <laughs> well, guess what? Every restaurant's in the takeout business today. Now, some will decide to continue that business because that's a new line of business, new profit center from. Others are going to go back and say, no, we're going to go back to be the traditional restaurant in dining only. Yeah, who, who, you know, people, people are getting, getting kind of used to, you know, buying some nice re uh, restaurant um, cooked food and taking it home and ha opening their own bottle of wine at home and, and enjoying the ambience and not paying the exorbitant prices that we pay for wine in restaurants. So restaurants that say, well, you know, going forward, we're going to stay in the takeout business are going to be a lot more successful than restaurants that go back to the old way of doing things. Right. It's going to be very interesting in next year, next two years to see where the restaurants are, to see where certain businesses are, because if you don't have the takeout feature, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, my background was, is marketing before I got into leadership and I guarantee it, you know, you look at what customers do and consumers do and consumers, like I said, they're getting, you know, before it was kind of a pain to, you know, go bring food home and most takeout was fast food because of that it was more convenient but you know you can have some really nice uh, restaurant cooked meals at home now and and like I said before you know you pick up your favorite bottle of wine uh, at a liquor store or supermarket for one-third the price that you would pay for it in the restaurant and you well know, that that may be um kind of a, a more romantic meal with your loved one than going to a restaurant very true I, I'm talking to my uh, friend right now. He's like, well, we can go out to dinner. I'm like, oh, so we can go get a coffee at Starbucks? He's like, no, a restaurant. I'm like, why? Just pick up the dinner. <laughs> Let's take it home and have coffee. I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get dressed up. I don't want to. You know, I'm comfortable with what I'm wearing now. Exactly. Why do I want to get all dressed up to go to a restaurant and have Everyone hearing your conversation, because it's not really private anyways. I am never comfortable yeah. in a restaurant. Right. Or we can have the same conversation at home, be completely comfortable, and watch TV while we're talking. And there's also another marketplace that the, I don't think the restauranters have really thought about, but I'm single, and I, you know I live alone, and my relationship partner is in another city. I don't go out to dinner very often in my hometown by myself, but you know what, when I can go pick up my favorite Italian meal or go someplace and pick up my, you know, my favorite steak and, and vegetables or whatever and take it home and like I said, have a bottle of wine at myself, now I'm your customer because it, it, you know, it's, not, it's not very comfortable eating by yourself. I eat by myself a lot in restaurants because yeah. I travel a lot, but you know, then that's different. You kind of know you're on a business trip. But. Yeah, it, it's business trips, you're by yourself anyways. Right, Unless exactly. you're at having lunch with a co colleague. Yeah. Otherwise, you're by yourself in a booth or table or whatever, 
but it's business. If you're yeah. doing it from a, I'm at home because I'm single, yeah. you don't want to go out by yourself. Exactly. I mean, but, but that goes back to what your friend said. You know, that if you start to think about, hey, there's a new business opportunity, and you know, and I live in 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 a um, resort community in Southern California with a lot of retirees and a lot of single people, a lot of you know people, widows and widowers, and you mm -hmm. see them out to eat in you know the, the Denny's, the Elmer's type restaurants, but now they can have really nice food and bring it home. So it's, there's a market opportunity out there. There is lots of market opportunities out there for wonderful entrepreneurs. You just have to step back from the problem and look at it from, okay, three years from now, let's say we're still in this pandemic. I hope this is over by Christmas, really. But really. from a business point of view, let's just say we are still in this. So what business opportunities are there other than we can't sustain our restaurant? Well, no, you can't sustain that $3,500 square foot building. Right. Can you still sustain the kitchen and the workers in the kitchen? Now exactly. you only need a 800 square foot building. Exactly. Exactly. And you can be more profitable because your rent's going to go down, your electricity, well, electricity probably, well, the electricity would go down, some of your overheads will go down, but, and you can have the same kind of revenues, but just, you have to, you have to, it's a mental shift. It's a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's going to be suck for all the waitresses and waiters out there, but at the same time, you can do, we are Dairy Queens doing car hops. So you have the waitresses and stuff go to the car outside. Okay. Yeah. It's just going to be a whole mindset thing and how you set your mind up to succeed. And, 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 and having that growth mindset gets you away from making decisions under stress, making decisions under anxiety or making that decision. Oh, well, me or oh, this is going to be terrible. We got you know, 12 months from now. I don't know if I'm going to have a business and all that stuff. Well, if that's your mindset, you probably won't have a business. I mean, I think it was Henry Ford who once said something along the lines. If you think you can do it or you don't think you can do it, either way, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole mindset is a lot of different things. You get into anxiety. Oh, I can't do fill in the blank. Now you are stopping yourself with that mindset because you're telling yourself that you can't do it. If you tell yourself you cannot do something, you will never do it. You know, that happened to me uh, last year, Melissa. I've, I've gone through my life and I lived overseas for 33 years, 21 in Asia and 12 in Australia. And people always ask me, well, what language did you learn? I said, you know, I don't have a talent for language. I can't learn a language. I've never tried. And it was about a year ago when I said to myself, that's a kind of a stupid sentence. Why are you telling? And I actually have started learning Spanish and I found that I can learn a language if I put the effort into it. It's not easy. It's not as easy for other people. But because I labeled myself that I'm, you know, I'm an American. I, I only speak one language. I only need to speak English. I can get by with English. And um, that, that label to myself really prevented me from putting the effort into to learn other languages, which I now regret. Yeah, it, it's all mindset. I mean, we look back on our life. Why are we doing this back here? Why didn't we do this, you know, when we could have? Well, yeah. our mindset back 20 years ago wasn't to learn another language. It wasn't to run a business it wasn't to do marketing it wasn't to do whatever you're going for now your day your life starts today if you don't start today 
next 10 years are going to be the same as it is today. And that's a great attitude. And I, I, that's a message I'm glad you're spreading because I think more people need to hear that message. And as you said earlier, how, how are you going to come out of this stronger, whether it's three months from now, six months from now, or 18 months from now, but we all need to come out of this stronger. And if we don't, both individually, collectively, and the society, we're going to pay for it long-term. They're going to be, those will be the long-term negative effects. Yeah. We are, we have two points of society right now. The ones that want to succeed and the ones that want to sit down and complain about everything. Well, if you're sitting down and complaining about everything and doing nothing or doing something to harm another business, like the riots that we're seeing, you're not doing something productive. You're not doing to something to grow. You're doing something that's going to hurt yourself and your economy. So when the riots and whatever is going on stops and everything gets back to normal, where's the jobs at? Well, you destroyed the building. The job's not coming back. Yeah, very true. Very true. And and that's going to snowball because, you know, the jobs that aren't there and then if they're not making money at that place and they're not spending money at another, you know, at their suppliers and their suppliers are going to get hurt and then mm-hmm. more layoffs are going to happen and it's going to have a negative snowball effect to it. Right. Do we want to help the economy and grow as people? Do we want to have the house that we dream about or live in the one bedroom apartment at $300 a month? Yeah. Now, I'm not sure there is a $300 a month, uh, apartment anywhere in the U.S., but I'm just throwing out a number. But at the same time, do we want that one-bedroom apartment or do we want a dream house? And it goes back to mindset. I've, I've, I've been telling people, I, you know, for instance, people complain all the time, oh, I'm so tired of Facebook. There's nothing of negativity on Facebook. I go, then why are you, why are you on it? Get off it. If you're if, 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 if your social circle or your friendship on Facebook and all you're getting is debates and arguments and, and, and what we used to call flame wars and social media, then get off it. I, I, I did the same thing in my life. I got tired of, of all cable news TV. I mean, I, I personally feel that there's very little news out there. You have, you have opinions on one ca- cable news and you, you have opinions on another cable news. And uh, I stopped watching cable news TV about six years ago. And within four months, my blood pressure dropped significantly. <laughs> I'd rather read about the news. <laughs> Isn't that funny how yeah. you watch the news, then your anxiety goes up, and then all yeah. your health problems get worse. You yeah. turn the TV off. You get rid of the news and your personal health get improves. Yeah, and it's not just the, the news. It's the way they present the news, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still stay informed, but I read about But everything on the news is breaking news. I mean, I laughed. Um, I, I forget where it was. It was, I think it was one of the Supreme Court uh, um, nominees last year or something. And, and we knew he was going to testify on Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, Washington time. And I happened to be in an airport and like, it was like nine 30 in the morning and all across every channel was breaking news. So-and-so is about to testify. I'm going like, that's not breaking news. We've known about it for at least three, four five days that he was going to testify today, but it's the way they present it. Everything is breaking news and, and you got to hear it now and stop and listen to us. And, and that's what break, brings up the stress level as well as, as well as the news that they're reporting. And the news that they're reporting is always bias. It's not yeah, journalism. No. We do not no. have journalism in the United States anymore. We have propaganda. 
We do. We do. Unfortunately, I mean, I, 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 I look back in my life uh, when I was a teenager, I, I, I thought I was going to major in journalism in school and I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't today. Um, and, but you're absolutely right. That's why I said it's, it's not a cable news channel anymore. It's a cable news opinion channel and you mm -hmm. just pick the, and all you're doing is listening to a channel or watching a channel that reinforces your own biases. You're not learning anything new to kind of say, wait a second, I hadn't thought of it like that. Let me, let me think about that. I, maybe, maybe my feeling is not 100% right. Maybe there is a, you know, another side. Maybe there's a compromise in here. But no, we're just watching things that reinforce how we already feel. And then we get angry about it because then they show the other side and then we get, we get angry. And as you said, that leads to health issues. <laughs> it does. We have so many health issues related to yeah. the news, and we don't even realize it. Exactly. Exactly. It, um, and it just causes our stress. So uh, people laugh at me, and they, you know, I said I have literally, not, I, you know, I, I canceled the uh, the cable on my at home partly because I travel so much, but also I, why am I paying for all these cable news channels that I don't want to watch? I was only watching basketball games anyway. And so I, you know, I got a streaming service where I can just watch basketball games. I don't need all this other stuff on the, on the TV. Yeah, I, I went to a couple of different streaming sites. I have my movies if I want to watch them, but when do I have time to watch cable? Huh. I don't. You, Business you done. Owners, those with leadership mindsets don't watch TV. Absolutely. We they might, read. They read. Yeah. That's why your authors will be successful. Yeah, we read. We don't have time to listen to the BS of the TV. <laughs> and it not, kills me. Go ahead. Is, sorry. Okay. So we have, okay, breaking news. Something happened down at so-and-so street. Okay. That's 30 seconds ago. Okay. That's breaking news. Did, did someone get hurt? Are they fine? Do we need the... Uh, Call in first responders. What do we need? Give me thirty second soundbite. Okay, good. There's my news for the day. Other than that, I don't want to hear other people's opinions. I yeah. am my own. I don't need yeah. yours. Exactly. And I don't need yours at at that volume that's so high that and you're ranting and raving at each other. It's like, no, thank you. I'm yeah. sorry. I've I got better things to do with my life. Yeah, I haven't. Let's see. I've watched two movies since February. That's all the TV time I've had. So that's the mindset of a business owner or a leader. Yeah. If you're sitting there watching eight hours of TV a day, what are you actually accomplishing? Nothing, nothing. And you're hurting your brain. I mean, it, the previous book I wrote, some of the research I came across is that sitting, sitting for long periods of time actually has long-term uh, detrimental effects on your brain. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if people are sitting around, as again, I tell leaders, I mean, if you're in conference calls and conference rooms all day long, and then you go home and your way of unwinding is to sit in front of the TV, whether it's to watch a sporting event or a movie, or the, you're just, you're hurting your brain. You need to get 20 minutes of walking out there, get some exercise. The, the brain is the biggest user of blood and oxygen in our system, and we're not supplying it by sitting around. No, um, we're not. And this came into play over all this COVID and everything opening up thankfully. I sit eight hours a day, 16 hours a day on calls. I take an hour to two hours a day at the gym. That's no. yeah. I, I yeah. have to move. I have to get away from the computer because otherwise the computer is going to go out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like that recently. Uh, the, the other thing I've been advising leaders is uh, if they're the one scheduling the meeting, um, 
run the agenda for 45 minutes or 75 minutes. And because most meetings are either 60 or 90 or phone calls or whatever. And here's why. If you finish the meeting after 45 minutes, that gives your brain five minutes to digest what you everyone's just discussed, send a follow-up email or note, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Take five minutes to just let your brain rest. You know, just become mindful. Look out the window at the at the sky, the trees, the birds, whatever. And then five minutes to prepare for the next meeting. But everyone gets booked back to back and on phone calls, meetings. And as soon as you finish one call, you're going to the next one. Your brain is still in the previous call. And you're actually literally, your brain's not there for the first six or seven minutes of the next meeting because it's still trying to digest everything that just happened for the last 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So. 45 minute meetings or 75 minute meetings is the way to run the agenda if you can. And I, I've had leaders come back to me. I've been doing this now for about two years and I've had people come back. That is the best advice I've ever gotten ever. It, it makes I, a huge difference. Personally, I take meetings, but I have 30 minutes in between each meeting and I refuse okay. to answer a phone call, look at an email or talk to anyone in that, that, yeah. that 30 minutes. Yeah. I need 30 minutes of quiet in between meetings. That's yeah. me personally. And, and it's all of us, quite honestly, but people don't realize that. And, and we can't multitask. When I write, I usually write in you know, roughly three to four hour segments. And and uh, But I make coffee every every 50 minutes, so it gives me a chance to get up. But what I've now learned to do is I put my phone on airplane mode, literally, so that when I go up to make that coffee, I'm not tempted to go check an email, see what messages came in. Do I need to reply for a phone call? Because my brain would be thinking about that. My brain subconsciously, while the kettle's boiling and I'm making my coffee and I'm kind of, you know, stretching and looking outside, my brain subconsciously is still thinking, what's this next paragraph? How am I going to make a transition to the next key point? How am I going to transition to the next chapter? Um, And that has really improved my writing productivity, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then after three or four hours, I'll turn the phone on and then I'll answer all those phone calls and email messages and whatever. Right. Your emails are still going to be there an hour from now, a day from now. Your text messages are going to be there. Your if someone really needs to get a hold of you, they'll drive to your house and blow up, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. on your door. Yeah, exactly. That, that uh, but people just don't understand that. People are so afraid. You know, there's this this um, urban acronym called FOMO. F O M O fear of missing out, mm-hmm. and I've I've I'm changing a bit. I said you need to really think about FOMO as fear of mind overload that's what we're doing to ourselves we are overloading our minds we're not giving it a break and that's why we're not making good decisions either personally or professionally okay well we're almost out of time so how can our listeners and our viewers find you well my website is uh, calienteleadership.com caliente is the spanish word for hot but the second definition of it is passion and the conversation caliente is a passionate conversation so i'm passionate about leadership Email is simple, Stephen at calienteleadership.com, or I'm on LinkedIn. All my books under Stephen Howard are on Amazon in both paperback and um, Kindle. So let's uh, reach out to me. I'll be happy to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Stephen. And for our listeners and our viewers, happy reading. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a nice day, Stephen. Thanks. Nice talking with you. Nice talking to you as well.